Hello and welcome everyone to Virtual Literature Festival. Today amongst us, we have Mahua Chinappa, who's an entrepreneur, an author, podcaster, and a voiceover artist. Mahua has also been a branding specialist for over 15 years, and she has an experience of working with HCL, brand communication, Genesis, ITC, etc. Welcome, Mahua. Thank you so much, Anurag, for having me today. Mahua, you've launched your book recently, and uh, we've been listening to a lot of good things people are talking about your book. It's called Notanki Sala. Would you like to tell us something about your book? So my book is an anthology of 15 uh, short stories. This book was written about all the people that I met from the 80s to 2000. Uh, it has a lot of stories in displacement. It has a lot of stories, you know, for people from Bangladesh and they moved into India. And it has stories about the Northeast, places that have been there in my life uh, and have played a huge role in my memory. Well, I was raised, I was born in Delhi and then we moved to Shillong and I was raised in insurgency. We left uh, Shillong in the 80s and we never turned back to say goodbye to so many of my friends, my family. Our houses were taken over, you know, by the army and there was curfew. So those stories and those incidents and the trauma, I think, never left me ever. And of course, in this entire journey of having been a housewife for very long, my audience and the world outside was very was getting smaller and smaller as I was busy raising my son. So I often ended up talking to a lot of girls who came and worked in parlors, in coffee shops, and they were all from the north, Northeast. And all of them had left also because of some political turmoil or they would have left because of lack of better work opportunities. For me, I just felt that their stories would never ever go out anywhere. Of course, um, you know, the book is dedicated to my son, who has played a huge role in my uh, writing journey because, you know, he used to force me to write stories. And of course, the inspiration behind this is my mother, because I've seen my mother, who today is probably, you know, suffering, we don't know, but from dementia that the doctor just said yesterday. Such a strong-willed woman who left everything overnight with her daughter because my father had already left Shillong. And she is my protagonist in many ways because of the courage that she had as a woman to go against the system and do things that many people would really shudder to do in a, in a politically ripe place where they were killing every Bengalis. So this story is mainly about displacement, about loss, about love, but the ability to overcome all the oddities. Thank you, Mahua. You said you moved based to so many cities and currently you're based in Bangalore. So how did this displacement, uh, you know, affect your life, your career? Oh, uh, well, uh, you know, displacement as a subject is uh, not uh, really spoken. It's only spoken from the perspective of a political displacement. It is spoken from the behalf of refugees. It is not spoken, you know, for women who actually move sometimes with their marriage. They leave everything behind and they go into a new city. And the trauma that they sometimes have to endure is not something that people talk about at all. Because you may end up in a city where you may not be able to make friends. You may not have the right environment around you. And this goes out also, you know, for um, so many women who go out of India, especially this recent case of uh, this lady who was murdered by her husband who was beating her up. I'd written an article about her. And, uh, you know, she had little children. And uh, what happens is that I know a very dear friend of mine at the age of 19. She got married and she moved to Leicester. And just the sheer inability to come back home. And what is home? Home is that place where you feel secure, you feel loved. 
you feel wanted you feel asked for and so many girls like me you know we leave our cities our jobs because somewhere the whole idea of a woman's life being complete at least during our times women who were born in the 70s and the 80s most of us got married because that is what society expected you to settle you've done your studies you've done everything but they will ask you to settle and invariably what happens as a woman i took the career cut it was not even ever in a conversation in which my husband ever had to decide or think about his career that he wanted to take a he had to step down so i moved along with him wherever he wanted me to move and i did not see any reason to question that because the conditioning was like that it is only now that i've come up to myself as a human being and still there's a long process anu but i do believe that now is a slight awakening in me where i realize that you know okay i could not do what i wanted to do i was very happy raising my son it was i my he's my emotional anchor but uh, along with that i also lost the ability to earn money and nobody was willing to give me a job and that's when i started my podcast and i started my started writing blogs and uh, from the blogs uh, came up this whole book well mahua that takes me to another question which i was about to ask you about rebooting career how easy or difficult it is to reboot your career and especially after having such a huge gap for whatever reason i mean for you it was raising up your son and taking care of your family but you know there are women who are dealing with much more and very different reasons but a gap is a gap so what happens after that gap and how do you reboot yourself and get into your careers when you ask about a reboot i don't think a reboot for anyone is easy you know whether it's a woman or a man uh it is i don't think you know one can really uh you know zero it down to only gender but a reboot for women invariably what happens is this that you're very frightened especially if you've been a housewife when i was also ill i had an autoimmune disorder that had left me bedridden for uh, almost a year and a half but for 10 years i was every day going in and out of hospitals and when i say every day i mean every day excepting a sunday and we couldn't quite figure this out you know as to what what was it that was causing uh, you know each of my body part to stop moving so the reboot post that was underconfident i was very underconfident but i also knew that i didn't want to turn back and go back to that same life there were days that i felt really down and out but now in these last 4 years yeah 4 years that i've started i started since 2018 i think in 4 years now i've begun to very well understand that there will be days i'm going to feel very low and i'm going to feel that is it really worth it but i know that while i'm thinking this there's the same thought that comes in that this has been so much for enriching it is difficult i have been cheated of money i've met a lot of people who tried to take advantage of my vulnerability but i don't look at it as a bad thing i just look at it like a strength a learning so every time you stumble and you fall you remember that you are learning you know you will only learn to be careful next time onwards and i think very few people will really tell you even when they are booted completely and they've been in their careers they are still falling and learning but uh, i think this whole fear psychosis you know if you talk about investments you know women are very frightened to invest i am very frightened to invest but one day i sat down and i thought about it and i said that you know my husband of course is a finance guy okay he's done investments and he's lost money but that is all right but for me even to lose 1000 rupees we take it so personally like such a huge uh, mistake that we have made 
And we've been conditioned to think like that. So it's about breaking out of the conditioning. It is about consistency. It is about discipline. It is about the will, yourself. You know, you need to have faith in yourself. Nobody's going to wake up tomorrow and tell you that, oh, you know what, you've done a great job. You have to be the one patting your own back. And eventually, if you are really committed to rebooting and starting something that you want to do, you need to give it at least four to five years and the results will follow. And we can see the results. You've emerged into an author. We have been seeing your book launches and the good reviews that people have given for your book and how much change this book has brought, especially amongst the women. And I was reading one of the reviews where it said that it has inspired a lot of women. Now, why do you think this book has inspired a lot of women, Mawa? You know, I really don't look at myself as an inspiration per se, because I think I have a lot more. I have a much more larger journey to really, you know, still traverse. But well, I think inspiration because I have spoken about sexuality and I have spoken about desire and I've spoken how desire cannot be gendered. And why it's inspiration is because many women are, they go on living in marriages, relationships that are over, but we don't have the courage to come out. We don't have the courage to really bell the cat. We don't know how to talk about dissatisfaction in our personal lives. And I think in this story, there are protagonists, you know, who have spoken about how they wanted to fulfill their mother's dream. And they decided to go ahead and forsake a love with you know, that they had with someone with her that was much deeper, much more rich, richer and decided to get married somebody with someone who was much more successful, but she had an empty life. So there is one story there, you know, of a protagonist. There is also another story where this woman, she is dissatisfied in her, uh, you know, in her sexual uh, life with her husband. And she, and in this, and the protagonist in this story talks about it. So it is, of course, very uh, women-centric. Of course, there are men too. It is about people who have found a second time and a second chance in life. And uh, the ability to say that, uh, you know, sex is not just only for men, it is also for women. Don't forget us in this. And um, yes, today I think there's a huge change and women all over are, you know, they are voicing their uh, concerns. They are, they are today, a lot of people are talking about periods and you as a man, you're doing so much in the entire, you know, menstrual health hygiene work. So I think the world is changing. The world that we inhabited were from parents who have gone through partition as a Bengali, women, uh, you know, uh, parents who were, uh, who have gone through a lot of hardships and what they wanted to do was give us financial stability of a home and good education. For us, we, we took that for granted and we tried to evolve ourselves. And I think we were this generation that was caught in the cusp of being traditional and modern. And uh, that is where the entire challenge lay. But I think going ahead, there would be more women who would talk more openly, you know, about all of these things. Wonderfully explained, Mahua. Thank you so much. I'd also like to ask you, why did you name this book Notanki Sala? Is there a story behind it? Yes. It is not a very, you know, usual name. Could you please explain why and what is the story behind it? So there is a story in my book called Notanki Sala. I mean, this is one of the stories here. And this is about a girl who's a bar dancer in a village. And she doesn't do much. And of course, she is in love with a boy called Ashok. And Ashok's father makes a pass at her. And Ashok will never, ever go back because he comes from a respectable, uh, richer and upper 
class uh, family he will always be the man with her only in the bedroom but never ever man up to go and speak to his parents that he loves her and uh, the protagonist here once you know while she is at her work and uh, the uh, the boy's father you know tries to have sex with her and she just shows him her imaginary middle finger and she says you old rogue and she leaves this notanki in the village to go on to become a bar dancer in the city she doesn't change much but it is the shift from the village you know of being a woman a girl who doesn't have her parents of locking that house that she's known forever to be her safe haven and moving on to another larger city like a bombay you know and finding her life all over again that movement itself is courageous and that's how it is called notanki sala wonderful so mawa these these protagonists that you're talking about where and how did you meet these people well uh, quite a few of them were in delhi that i met uh, because i knew a lot of my parents friends who had moved you know from my grandmothers and grandfathers friends who had moved from bangladesh and a lot of people did not even know they just fled and they came into india okay and as far as uh, the story of the bar dancer goes there was a girl who was uh, you know a neighbor you know in uh, my my parents have a house in bangalore and there is a lane behind where uh, she was the only bengali girl that my mother saw in bangalore and uh, you know they obviously when they spoke to each other they realized that she she speaks bengali and um, that's when she said that you know she was a bar dancer she is a bar dancer and uh, my, my mother of course did not understand too much about it and she only understands bar she's not too aware of what uh, you know a bar dancer's job is to like explain to her and of course my initial reaction was fear because uh, you know and i and my mother of course there again we talk about here at longing she longs to speak in her own language she's she longs to go back to her roots exactly like how that bar dancer also longs to speak in bangla and that longing brought the two of them together looking across you know each other's window and finding the courage to say smile for three days and the fourth day to wave a hand and say hello and then i i happened to go to my parents house and i met her and i spoke to her and uh, you know you realize that we human beings are all all of us are struggling at a similar plane in some form or the other she had the pain of really having poverty back home and she needed to send that money to her father who was a tuberculosis patient and they had she had more siblings and she chose to look after uh, you know her family so and of course i have uh, you know taken the creative license of uh, adding more layers to the story well i think more courage to women like her and women like you and women in general to be able to speak what they want to speak to be able to do what they want to do and to be able to reboot themselves and start their own careers at whatever age they wish to and um, with that mawa i also have a last question it's not very easy to to pen down your thoughts and stories or whatever you have experienced or seen around you it's not easy to just think overnight that i'm going to write about it and become a writer i think it takes a lot what did it take for you to become a writer and if you have any suggestion for new authors who are coming up with their books well for new authors i think you should just begin by writing every day if you really love the art of writing you will write every day it'll never ever be an effort you will write i have written when i felt completely down and lost in a crowded bar 
I, I wrote my book in a cafe. So there was sound all around me. I could zone out. Of course, I, I write better when I have music playing around me. You need to write every day. You need to be consistent. You need to have uh, really good friends who are going to tell you the truth about your style of writing. And of course, courses help. You know, if you can do a course and uh, learn a little bit more and read. And the more you read, the more you learn. The more books you read, the more you learn. And uh, writing... You know, there is people talk about the writer's block. I'm not too sure of what that is. Uh, I haven't yet experienced that. But, um, you know, it sounds very fashionable to say that people have the writer's block. But I think every emotion of mine, I articulate that better through alphabets than I would do, you know, with my mouth. Is there anything new that is coming up? Uh, should your readers expect something in future? Yes, I am working on two books. I've just completed a book of poetry. And I intend to publish that because I also started to dabble in photography for a while when I was really going through a terrible low. I always try and find new things to keep myself upbeat. So I, you know, the iPhone has a wonderful camera. So I was clicking lots of pictures and I'm planning to create that book. The book is all, the book is ready of poetry. The other book that I'm working on is a very difficult book for me because it is a book that I want to write letters to my father. You know, things that I could not discuss with him when he was alive. Conversations that always came to a grinding halt because he did not wish to address that with me. And things that haunt me. Memories of happiness. Memories of understanding who he was and why his reactions to certain things around me. Memories of our travel together. Memories of what he's left behind just in the form of letters. So I'm working on that book right now. And I think yes, by next year, it should be out. But the book of poetry, I'm hoping that I should be able to take that out this year. Well, looking forward to read uh, your books, Mahua. And I, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for being a part of Virtual Literature Festival and giving your time to be on this podcast. I hope to see you around very soon. Thank you so much, Anurag. And lastly, before I leave, I want to say that all writers must learn to bleed on their paper or else you've not done justice to your art. Thank you so much, Mahua. Thank you, Anurag.